We have a number of God sightings to share this morning. Um, the cross got, um, well, has been fully moved now, and so um, we are grateful for God at work through Luke, um, helping set that up in the first place, and then um, for God at work through a number of volunteers here yesterday um, to move gravel and level paving stones and move mulch and um, there was a little bit of shenanigans among some of our young helpers which was also uh, fun and a part of God's presence with us so um, after worship if you walk around the other side of the education building you will find that that space has been uh, transformed with the cross newly located there um, just on the other side of the education building and we'd invite you to go um, take a look at that um, Linda Walker has a God sighting that um, I, I think many of us share but she was the one who put it on paper so thank you Linda um, just seeing God at work in the commitment of all the teachers and school staff and administrators and ev and um, parents and people who never thought they were going to be educators but are currently acting as educators. Um, it's been a real team effort for folks to pull together and, um, and try to help students continue to learn and grow and do the things that they need to do. So um, specifically to the educators who are in this room, past and present, thank you for your good work and, um, and further just um, grateful for the folks who are um, helping our kids continue to learn. Um, I am just so grateful for the flowers <laughs> that are coming out and for the signs of spring and life. And I turned my back in my yard and there are some bulbs that I don't even know where they came from, but they just start coming up and it's beautiful. Um, and I'm grateful to Naomi who took some of those beautiful flowers and made them into um, this arrangement of flowers that we can share today in worship. And then also grateful for um, Pat Rory, who was a member of our church, and um, she died on Thursday, very early Thursday morning, um, after having suffered a massive stroke. And her family gathered here last night to, um, well, we had a memorial service, family and church. I didn't mean to just say family, but at any rate, um, those flowers were a part of that service and we're grateful for Pat we're grateful for her family and we're grateful for the beautiful flowers that we get to enjoy after that service um, we're going to continue prayers for Roy Ledford um, has anybody heard from Roy in the last couple of days so he has continued to have trouble with his back and then the nerves that run out run down into his legs he's having quite a bit of trouble getting around and uh different medical teams different um they've worked on it and he's finding some relief but it's still a struggle so prayers for um roy and prayers for hannah as she is um caring for him and supporting him through that also max ledford um has recovered from coronavirus but is still just um uh, just needs our prayers there's a lot of struggle as far as his health and his kind of yeah let's just pray for max 
Um, Debbie Johnson was in the hospital um, this week uh, with congestive heart failure. She has um, improved quite a bit, and they think and hope that she will be able to go home later this afternoon. So um, prayers for Debbie, prayers for Alma as she's caring for Debbie and for Don and for all that goes into that. So um, just prayers for strength and for God's peace for all of that family. And then continuing to pay, pray for Pat Rory's family as they um, grieve her death and move forward together. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, all we have is yours. And you give without measure. We pray that you would open us to your good gifts and help us to walk in your grace. Not just for those of us gathered here at St. Matthew's, but for everyone who calls upon your name. May we be people who trust in your goodness and share it in the world. We pray for the leaders and rulers of this world, for everyone who makes decisions that affect many others. May those decisions be made wisely, with courage and skill. We pray for Joseph, our president, and Roy, our governor. We pray for all those who have been elected or appointed to be our leaders. May we, together with them, work for our common good. We pray for our community of Morganton. We pray for everybody working hard to get people vaccinated. We pray for openness to vaccines and for a chance to um, take advantage of that protection that is being offered. We pray for our teachers and schools as they continue to serve students and as the landscape continues to change and evolve. May they have every resource they need to do their jobs well. And may they receive an extra measure of grace and rest that comes only from you. We pray for Roy and Hannah. We pray for Max, for Debbie and Alma and Don, for Pat's family. God, for anybody who feels worn out or discouraged this day, move in your strength and provide just what we need. We bring all these prayers in the name of Jesus who is teaching us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Mark. We're in Mark chapter 7, beginning with verse 24. 
From there he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was, of a, was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, the demon gone. These are God's words for God's people, and we say, thanks be to God. So this encounter with Jesus is one in a string of healings, but it's also one in a string of um, encounters that you might call political encounters, not political party encounters, but where the forces at play are sort of beyond what just you see in front of you, that there's a sort of backstory going on about who's a part of what group and how which group relates to each other. And understanding a little bit of that backstory helps us understand what's going on here with Jesus. So a first thing to know is that immediately before this passage, what comes right before that is the part where Jesus is talking to his disciples about what makes people clean and unclean. And you'll remember that the um, Jewish law handed down had definitions of clean and unclean that had to do with what have you touched and what have you eaten and what have you drunk. And Jesus pointed them beyond those um, standards and said it is not what goes into the body that makes you unclean, but what comes out of your body, the words that you speak and the intentions of your heart. And that turns out to have been a question that was really active through the early days of the church, both during Jesus' ministry and then after he ascended and the church was kind of figuring stuff out on their own, you know, what's clean and what unclean? What rules do we need to follow? How do we live the faith that we have in a practical way in our world? So that was an ongoing question. And we have every reason to believe that it was an ongoing question for the people that Mark was writing to, uh, because most of them would have been Gentile or non-Jewish converts to Christianity. So they have a special interest in sort of what about all that um, what about all that Jewish law stuff? What about how do we kind of fit into this picture? So Jesus is going into this encounter just having taught about it's not what you eat. It's not what you drink. It's it's what comes out of you that declares you clean or unclean. And he meets this woman and 
you read the words and they sound pretty harsh. <laughs> um, the, the commentary that I was reading this week was pointing out that it might be less of a sort of harsh encounter and more of an almost teasing encounter where a woman who kind of knows the deal and knows the separation between Jews and Gentiles because at that point it was not simply like... Um, this isn't a situation where there's kind of one group in power and another group not in power. This isn't exactly like the Romans and the Jews, right? So power-wise, they're kind of equals. But rivalry-wise, there's quite a rivalry. And so there's this sense of, um, it's more serious than this, but you know the, the Duke and Carolina rivalry thing where you would kind of, come in with a little bit of banter and a little bit of, well, Duke fans don't do that. Well, should I give my food to a Duke fan? It, that kind of a, of a tone. And so Jesus is um, not so much being harsh with her as kind of playing into the, um, the established kind of banter, you might say, around that. But there is a deeper point. <laughs> Jesus is sent into the world with a particular mission. And as much as sort of our um, understanding of what Christianity, sometimes our understanding of Christian faith sort of boils down to God wants you to be nice to everybody. And if the sum total of what Jesus is about is coming into the world to be nice to everybody, then it's really confusing. Why isn't he being nice to this woman and her child right now? What, why is he pushing back against her request for help? Why isn't he pushing back against her expectation? But Jesus is not simply coming into the world to be nice to everybody. Jesus has a very particular mission, a very clear understanding of what he's up to and why he's there. And Jesus came into the world to fulfill God's promises to the Jewish people and through those promises to be present and then extend what was originally um, God's covenant only with the Jewish people to be a covenant that is open to all people. So it's not that Jesus is considering the Greek woman a second-class citizen, but he is staying very focused that the mission that he has is to fulfill the role of Messiah within God's covenant to the Jewish people. And by fulfilling that particular covenant, that's what makes it possible. That's what opens up God's grace to the whole world. So... Jesus is in the middle of a hard ministry. He's doing hard work with a singular focus. He goes into this Greek-speaking area not to go and heal and teach and make himself known there. He goes there to take a little breather, right? The idea at the beginning of the passage is he shows up so that he can lay low for a while. <laughs> and then this woman discovers him and it's not so much that he doesn't want to heal 
her daughter, it's that he doesn't want to get sidetracked by what, frankly, would be a lot easier. He could go into the Greek-speaking areas and heal people and, and say nice, um, you know, love your neighbor kinds of things, and he would not step on the toes of any Jewish authorities in that region. They would be more open to kind of, sure, you want to add your ideas to our mix? Fine, go ahead. He would not face opposition in the same way if he became a traveling healer in Syrophoenicia. He would not face opposition. He would not face crucifixion. He would not bear witness in that particular way to the covenant God made with God's people. So in some ways, you know, if he took up this woman's offer, not just to heal her daughter, but to kind of go forth and take care of people in Syrophoenicia, it would feel good all the way around because they would be thankful. And he could, I mean, he could legitimately feel like he was doing a good thing. He's healing people. He's, you know, teaching people. He's loving people. And there wouldn't be the same opposition, you know, in some ways doing, sticking with the, um, just heal people in Greece option would honestly be a pretty easy way out for Jesus. <laughs> and so the, the, the thing of like, that's not what I'm here to do. And I am working towards the healing of all people. That is my mission. That is what I'm working on. But I have to stay focused on my actual calling because if I do these other things that aren't my calling, then that's going to get in the way of of the real mission. And, you know, I just, as a church, it is so easy to feel like, well, our job is to make everybody feel good. Our job is to love everybody, but without necessarily a definition of what love everybody looks like. And that feels good. It's, it's kind of hard to miss the mark because we don't really have a mark. We just have a sort of general theory, right? Um, but also, if we're kind of drifting around, we're much less likely to really fulfill the particular purpose that God has invited us to. So I was a part of a meeting um, earlier this week where we were talking specifically about Open Hearts Bakery and um, trying to get clear, not just the general, we all know Open Hearts Bakery is awesome. Through Open Hearts Bakery, great things happen and, and people are connected to each other. And if we can get really clear on Yes, that's true. And what specifics does God invite us to do? What things are we going to say no to so that we can clearly say yes to the things that are central to what we're about? So Jesus said no to wandering around healing people in Syrophoenicia, not because he didn't like people in Syrophoenicia, not because he thought they were less worthy of God's presence or healing, but because if he got sidetracked wandering around Syrophoenicia, he wasn't going to do the key thing that he needed to do. Open Hearts Bakery, you know, we can like 
be really sweet to a lot of people. And we can, you know, have some products, but if we don't have some clarity about what is the particular thing that we are called to do, we can wander around not being bad, but not being what we're called to be. And in our individual lives and families, I think similar things happen. You know, we can feel pulled in so many directions and most of them are good that it really takes some pause and some focus to say, okay, yes, there are 57 different good things that we could do right now. And if I try to do all 57 of them, none of them are going to happen well. So what is the thing... And it doesn't have to be a permanent or for life or, oh, no, I'm going to get it wrong kind of thing. But what is your focus right now? You know, what what is important to me today? And then check back in during the day. Are the things that I'm doing today matching up with what's important to me today? And that fits in any stage of life or any family configuration. You know, the answer might be different. If you think about what's important to you today as an adult living alone with no children, that might look different than what's important to you today as a third grader or what's important to you today in whatever other context. But if we can prayerfully ask God, what is important today? What what do you want me focusing on? And then you don't have to worry about getting it right or getting perfect. If you ask God that question, take a couple of deep breaths and just go with what comes to you, what, whatever your idea is after that, then just check back in during the day. Is that still what's important? Am I still focused on it? That way we can walk along with Jesus in this sense of yes, Yes, there are a million different good things we could possibly do. But we cannot actually do a million things. (laughs) We're human beings, and we can do two or three things. So what are the two or three things that you're going to do well and with focus? And what are the other 97,000 things that are good options, but not the ones that you're saying yes to today? Um. Jesus invites us to live with focus and with purpose and to rely on him. And so I hope that we can do that more in this coming week. And we are going to transition to a song for reflection. And while we're listening and reflecting, maybe this would be a good time just to sort of open your heart for the coming week. What's one or two things that you can really focus on for the coming week? If I forget the lyrics to the chorus of the song I wrote What if my daughter gets a fever while I'm out here on the road What if this kind of life I lead is damaging in ways I do not know What if I can never find a place where I can truly be What if I never chase my dreams and leave them sitting on the shelf? What if 
for someone else What if the world doesn't end When the fears come true What if we have what we need To make it through There is manna from heaven And mercy is new What if God is still here go forward into this week knowing one most true and important thing. God loves you just as you are and came to this earth with a single focused mission to heal and to save even you. May you go into this week with one focus of your own to listen for God's call to you and to follow it. 
Go in the name of God, who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.